Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Knute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from Sylvain Charlebois, food professor at Dalhousie University. And at first, in today's country comment, I'll be joined by Keystone Agricultural Producers President Bill Campbell. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. This week, the province announced disaster financial assistance. Keystone Agricultural Producers President Bill Campbell joins us now to talk about how farmers can benefit. Well, I think it's um, gratifying to note that the Manitoba government recognized and acknowledged the impacts of the recent weather events for agriculture and other sectors as well. Uh, And so we're appreciative that the Manitoba Infrastructure announced this disaster financial assistance program at this time. So, And that would help cover costs, I guess, that are not covered by insurance, right? That's our understanding. Um, you know, it's the early stages of the announcement, and so we're uh, looking at the criteria and the eligibility and uh, some of those factors. Um, but we are uh, uh, encouraging farmers to contact their insurance providers as well as Manitoba Crop Insurance, to see what um, individuals may have coverage and which may not be eligible. So uh, I think it's up to the uh, producers to uh, do their due diligence and find out what uh, areas there may be compensation for. And livestock producers would also have um, access to this, right? Yeah, Yeah. that's our understanding is that... um, these weather events have caused losses that are not insurable by any other insurance means. Uh, uh, so that would be the understanding. Um, also, we have been led to believe that you need to be in contact with your veterinarian to confirm these losses uh, with regards to the weather events. Talk a little bit about um, just the roads and infrastructure in the province. You know, we saw some money also announced to, to help with that. But, you know, what's what's the state of that right now? Well, our infrastructure is really taking a beating because of the length of these weather events. It, um, you know, we haven't had time to dry up and clean up uh, some of the um, roads and issues, the, the flooding um, with regards to some block culverts and different impacts like that has really led to some infrastructure. And, and as much as anything, um, I honestly believe that the yards infrastructure, you know, our pans, our roadways, our stack yards have really taken a beating here because of six weeks, seven weeks of, uh, of this weather. Um, now, how that enters into this conversation will, you know, will have to be determined. But once again, uh, getting in contact with your insurance provider would be the, the best way. And, and as we find out the criteria for the program. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, seeding here as well. You know, we're about, uh, I guess, two weeks behind normal in, in, in most parts. Um, just your thoughts on, on what's happening out there. Well, we have heard of some isolated cases on some higher terrain and lighter soils where uh, people were able to just get started, but it's been very, very spotty. And so in general, I would suggest that there's, there's not been very much field work or uh, producers on the land. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's concerning that we are um, a couple of weeks behind um, 
what we would like to see. Um, is it abnormal? Um, we've been down this road before where May long weekend and instances like that where seeding has been delayed until that time. But um, it's, it's a very difficult process to be patient and wait when you want to get going and, and know that um, an earlier seeding date provides you with greater opportunity for yield potential. So uh, it's a bit of a struggle, but I think we just have to uh, wait until conditions, you know, soil conditions are right, uh, soil temperature is right, um, so we can in, the crop can emerge as quickly as possible. And um, there are some regions that are still under tremendous amount of water, and it's going to take some time for those water levels to um, disappear and then assess the damages on, on those particular fields as well. So um, it's, it's going to be a challenging spring, I believe, uh, and maybe some long hours and some alternate plans, but um, farmers are very adaptable to um, these type of uh, conditions. Yeah, and, um, you know, have you heard of farmers maybe changing their seeding plans, you know, going to some of those shorter shorter season crops? Well, I think the, the first um, decision will be the longer season crops. And, um, you know, we're the, the 10th, 11th of May today, and we're not in the field. So will it be another 10 days? And that brings us to the 20th. And then that decision will have to be made at that time on everybody's uh, individual case, but um, I know personally, I still have um, Plan B, you know, right at my fingertips that I may go to uh, in case we don't get going until the first of June. So uh, I think it's on everybody's mind. Uh, the what if scenario presents itself. So um, it'll be. I haven't heard, you know. Oh yeah, well I'm I'm avoiding this altogether. But there are. Certainly those thoughts in farmers' minds, what's the best agronomically um, for their farm? That was Keystone Agricultural Producers President Bill Campbell. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Manitoba Agriculture has released its first crop report of the season. Provincial seeding progress sits at less than 1% complete, behind the five-year average of 21%. Extremely wet and cold conditions in April prevented soils from draining and drying ahead of planting. A number of central region locations received over 500% of normal precipitation for the month. As a result, crop planting is delayed by at least two weeks behind normal starting dates. Heavy rainfall in the central, eastern and interlake regions and the Red River Basin has caused overland flooding, saturating low-lying fields and filling waterways. 26 rural municipalities and communities have declared local states of emergency over the preceding two weeks in order to fight floodwaters, which has led to infrastructure damage and road washouts. Multiple highway closures are ongoing, impacting movement of agricultural commodities and inputs. Farmers are extremely concerned about seeding delays, leading some farmers to switch planned corn or soybean acres into canola and spring wheat, while planned field pea acres may see a decline as well. Approximately 4,000 acres of potatoes have been planted in the Carberry to Shiloh area. A number of changes are coming to the Canadian Grain Commission's official grain grading guide this crop year. The splits tolerance in number two Canada green peas will be changed from 1% to 3%, effective August 1st across Canada. Derek Bunkowski is Chief Grain Inspector for Canada. We did a significant engagement with, with the industry and, and it was determined that 
it would be fine for number two Canada Greenpeace to have up to 3% splits in that grade. Buyers are, are, are willing to do that and their customers are willing to accept that amount of splits. The committee decided that it was prudent to make that change to 3% from 1%. And Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers is recommending farmers put peas in the ground as soon as possible once conditions allow. Here is production specialist Laura Schmidt. So we're starting to see some movement in the field, but soil moisture conditions across much of the province have delayed seeding. Since we might be heading into a bit of a seeding crunch as a result, still do try to prioritize putting in peas early. So you aim to seed peas when the average soil temperature at depth is at least 5 degrees. Delaying pea seeding until late May will mean that the crop will flower in the heat of July, which can cause flower blasting, since peas are quite sensitive to hot temperatures during flowering. So as a result, try to get peas in early if possible to maximize your yield. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Wednesday, May 11th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler has details on an announcement made in Alberta to address a shortage of veterinarians. The shortage of large animal vets is a common problem in most provinces. Yesterday, Alberta announced key funding to address the issue in their province. With more on the announcement, here's Glenda Lee Allen Vossler. Premier Jason Kenney announcing key funding yesterday for the Faculty of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Calgary. Having a pool of skilled veterinarians is a key part in the well-being of our province. Veterinary medicine plays a hugely important role in our agriculture sector, and agriculture is a major pillar of our provincial economy. Uh, To maintain livestock and ensure that they remain healthy and disease-free is integral to the health and sustainability of the entire sector and of our economy. Large animal vets make that happen, in addition to providing critical emergency care when needed. So Alberta needs to stay at the forefront of veterinary medicine and care. In addition to providing this care, veterinarians play an important role in research, like the academic undertakings here at Spy Hill, to advance the agricultural industry by developing and promoting best practices. So today's announcement isn't just about veterinary medicine, but it's really about the recovery and growth of Alberta's economy as well. As important as as the profession of uh, veterinary medicine is to Alberta, we are unfortunately facing a real shortfall of uh, vets uh, in our province. The ag industry is very aware of this shortage. I hear about it everywhere I go in rural Alberta. And late last year, the Alberta Veterinary Medical Association, the Alberta Veterinary Technologists Association, and the University of Calgary's Faculty of Vet Medicine, where we are, submitted information to our government uh, confirming the current widespread shortages of vet professionals in all areas of practice, but especially large animal vets. Alberta's vet workforce is currently short by an estimated 850 practitioners, and that number is set to grow. Meanwhile, demand for vet services, especially, as I say, uh, large animals, continues to go up, but the number of vet graduates in the province has stayed at the same level for decades. Now, this is largely due to our lack of training capacity in the past, where Alberta had a long-term partnership with the uh, Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan, uh, and uh, it served us well for a long time. Under that partnership, investment from Alberta's government to the college would guarantee a yearly allotment of about 20 seats for Alberta residents. 
But not being able to train and learn here at home meant that students were more likely to look for career opportunities outside of our province. So starting a couple of years ago, we ended that agreement and shifted the investment here to the U of C program so most, more students could learn here in their province. But we still face a shortfall of graduates overall, and that's no fault of the U of C uh, and this wonderful world-class facility. They've consistently produced great trained professionals. But as a province, we lack capacity to train enough new vets and uh, continue to fall short of what's needed out there. So today, we take the next steps to address this shortfall and to get more vets working in Alberta. With Alberta's recovery plan and the uh, Alberta at work strategy that was in this year's budget, we committed to addressing structural labor, labor shortages across key sectors and we're keeping our word. I'm pleased to announce two major investments to bolster Alberta's training capacity of veterinary professionals. First, we're addressing our physical capacity limitations by committing $59 million in capital funding over three years to develop new infrastructure for vet medicine training here at the U of C. Second, we're supporting enrollment growth with $8.4 million over three years to accommodate new seats for students here uh, at this program. Together, these investments will provide for facilities, faculty, and administration needed to grow the program in a sustainable way and allow more students to learn and practice vet medicine at home right here in Alberta. Now, these investments won't change our situation overnight. There's a lot of work needed to realize this expansion, and I know the U of C is eager to get shovels in the ground. And with today's announcement, we are one step closer to an Alberta-made solution that will help fix the shortfall and provide access to veterinary medicine that is needed to support our economy, especially in rural Alberta. Agriculture Minister Nate Horner says veterinarians and animal health technologists are pillars not only of the agriculture industry, but in the communities they serve. Veterinary medicine is a key sector in our economy especially in rural Alberta where we rely on veterinary medicine with a focus on livestock. Veterinarians also take on other roles that support our agriculture sector, like regulatory positions, animal health research, and work in the animal pharmaceutical industry. Modern agriculture is a highly skilled, highly technical occupation. Farmers and ranchers today are educated, innovative business people. They need the support of skilled experts like veterinarians to be successful. As a rancher myself, I've felt the impacts of our rural veterinarian shortage and see how it affects my neighbours, my constituents and our industry. These investments of $8.4 million to expand enrolment and $59 million in capital funding for new infrastructure will support good jobs, help maintain animal health and create even more opportunities for ambitious Albertans. This is a huge win for Alberta livestock producers, students and our rural economy. Labour forecasts show there is an emerging need for veterinary specialists in the coming year, especially when it comes to livestock and large animals. With the announcement, Alberta is laying the groundwork for the University of Calgary's Faculty of Veterinary Medicine to accommodate more students, increasing the existing number of seats in the program by up to 50. For Golden West, 
I'm Glendalee Allen-Bossler. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada has established an e-commerce resource hub where Canadian agri-food companies can access resources to take advantage of global opportunities to sell products online. Sessions conclude June 6th. Each week covers a different topic. You can register on the Manitoba Agriculture website. The 2022 Spring Farmers Market Coordinator Gathering is being planned for May 13th in Winnipeg. The gathering includes workshops, lunch, solution mill, as well as time to connect with fellow coordinators. Get all the details with Direct Farm Manitoba. And Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is putting on a fence and water solutions workshop June 1st. The cost is $30 and you can register on the MFGA website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon. We're seeing a shortage of vegetable oil around the globe. I caught up with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, a food professor at Dalhousie University. Prices have gone up uh, about 80% since 2017 retail, and uh, they've gone up about 20-25% in the last year or so. Uh, Food service is being hard hit by uh, by these prices. Uh, uh, In Canada, the food service industry is... uh, by and large, the, 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 the biggest buyer of, of vegetable oil in general. Uh, we do fry a lot of stuff in food service, so that's why they're being impacted. And uh, my, uh, what I'm hearing right now is that uh, prices have doubled um, in, in, uh, in recent months uh, in food service, and they're about to increase by another 20 to 25% over the next month or so as a result of what's going on around the world. So... Restaurant operators are, are are in for a wild ride here. Talk about uh, palm oil and the uh, the short, shortfall there. Yeah, so uh, really, uh, Indonesia uh, threw a curveball to the rest of the world with uh, its ban on exports. It's the largest exporter of palm oil in the world, and uh, and palm oil is in in many different products we buy. So companies like Nestle, Ferro Rocher, Mondelez, they're all big buyers of palm oil, and so. The world is going to be short as a result as a result of that decision. Malaysia is number two exporter in the world, and they're going through some uh, some issues with labor over there. So uh, the world is going to be short on palm oil, which is the cheapest vegetable oil in the world. So it, that's going to put more pressure on canola oil, uh, soybean oil, and uh, and uh, sunflower oil. Uh, sunflower, of course, uh, Ukraine. Impacted by a conflict, that's the largest exporter. We don't know what's going to happen there. Canola, we saw what happened last year in Canada with the drought. Hopefully, we'll get a bumper crop. But based on on weather reports that we're getting so far this year, it's not looking great. And soybeans uh, are impacted by droughts in South America, in Paraguay, Argentina, and Brazil. So, again, the the the. The world market, uh, when it comes to vegetable oil, is, is not looking great so far this year. And uh, one, one thing you mentioned here, uh, what could help is to lessen the amount of vegetable oil used for, uh, for energy. Just, uh, you know, expand on that. Yeah, so the, the ethanol mandate is pretty significant in the U.S. Um, almost 40% of, uh, of corn produced in the U.S., uh, is for uh, is for ethanol, which is which is a lot, especially this year. In Canada, it's over north of ten percent, uh, but but that acreage uh, would be useful for 
for the food industry. So it's something that we need to think about in the future. And, and I totally understand why there is an ethanol mandate uh, to increase demand for some of our commodities. But at the same time, we are facing a, a, a major um, global food challenge right now uh, around the world. So it, it's and, and the Biden administration just increased its uh, the threshold for for the ethanol mandate. Uh, I think it was about a month ago. And so just just bring down uh, gas prices, but it's not working. Gas prices are still going up no matter what. So it's. I thought I thought it was a short-sighted decision uh, on behalf of the Biden administration, but um, hopefully, at some point, someone will say something about that. And just going forward here, uh, do, do you think um, consumers will at the grocery store will start to see um, you know just limited quantities there? Uh, in, in parts of the U.S., we're, we're already starting to see that, so I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if it starts to happen in Canada as well. I don't think that Canada will be short on fetchable oil, but I wouldn't be surprised if, um, if uh, grocers uh, start to ration or limit the amount of bottles uh, consumers are allowed to buy per visit. Uh, it's, it's quite normal. In, in many parts of the world, they just won't have access to vegetable oil full stop. That was Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, a food professor at Dalhousie University, talking about a shortage of vegetable oil across the globe. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers is recommending farmers put peas on the top of their list when prioritizing seeding acres this spring. This will help to maximize yield. Production specialist Laura Schmidt had a few seeding tips. A good rule of thumb is to seed peas into at least half an inch of moisture. So PC depths may range anywhere from one and a half to three inches deep. And ensuring that they have that moisture to work with will help with emergence. Inoculate with rhizobium leguminoserum bacteria and check that the soil test nitrogen levels are low enough to accommodate nodulation. So that's typically below 50 pounds of nitrogen per acre residual. A single inoculation is recommended even on fields with a history of peas to ensure that that rhizobium that's there is effective at fixing nitrogen. And updates are coming to the Canadian Grain Commission's official grain grading guide this crop year. Current mildew standard samples for Canada Eastern Red Spring, Canada Western Red Spring, and Canada Western Red Winter Wheats are being replaced. Derek Bunkowski is Chief Grain Inspector for Canada. Based on the research that we've done, uh, we found that it was appropriate to relax the, uh, the standards for mildew. And that is based on, on these findings that we've found uh, that the impacts of, of mildew, for the most part, are negligible. There is some in, impact. Uh, uh, we do at times see a little higher alpha amylase activity uh, when there's some mildew present. But, uh, we have sprouted tolerances in place that do a good job of protecting uh, the falling number and the functionality of the wheat. Updated standard samples for number one and number two CERS wheat will be effective July 1st in eastern Canada, and number one and number two CWRS wheat will be effective August 1st in western Canada. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have details on the May USDA WASDE report. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.